Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 143. Hi, how are you? It's Wednesday. It's our Wednesday. Uh, You know what that means. It's podcast day and we've got a really cool one today. We're going to do a Q&A special. I have been looking forward to recording this for some time. So I've got a bunch of questions here that you sent me via the gram. And we're going to go through them together. Uh, I got up early this morning. Well, Hank woke me up at 5.10 for his breakfast. So we went for a walk early at 6.20 and then I went to the gym and trained and I just walked home, had a snack, I have a coffee and we are ready to rock and roll. There's been a lot going on. (laughs) Uh, What's going on right now? Well, a really, really cool thing is that I am planning our end of year event for Warrior School. So every year we have this big end of year event inside of the school. And this year we are going to explore this concept of powerful relationships in detail. So on December 9th and 10th, we're hosting a Building Powerful Relationships Immersion event. And she's going to be epic. I'm planning her right now. And it's going to be over two days. There are going to be guest speakers. And I'm bringing in women that are leaders in this space when it comes to building powerful relationships. You know that I am so fascinated with relationships, especially our relationships with ourselves, our bodies and training. And I believe that the relationship that we have with ourselves is the most important relationship we will have in this life. But we also have many other relationships that are key to our happiness and our success. So we have our relationship with food, money, other people, our environment, our mind. And I think life is too damn short for bad relationships. It's too short. We do not have long here. We're going to die soon. So I want you to have powerful relationships. I want all my warrior women to have powerful relationships because when we don't have powerful relationships it stops us from getting the thing we want from achieving our vision and our goals so I'm so excited for her I am planning on getting four guest speakers in for powerful women that are going to fill the room. I've been talking a lot about tables and rooms (laughs) 
not from a, you know, interior design perspective, but, and I actually had the privilege of being on my dear friend uh, Mel's podcast last week. And this idea actually came from Mel. She ain't sure where she got it from. Potentially it's it's hers. I told her to own it. Uh, and maybe until she finds the source. But this idea of who do you want at your table? We have this table and we have all of these chairs at the table. And who do you want in those chairs? For me, you know, and I also like to think of it as a room. I want to fill my room and my table with powerful women that inspire me. Women that are maybe in their chapter 20 and I might only be in my chapter 12. And I actually did a podcast episode on comparison, uh, which, you know, it was a it was a really cool episode to record. I've had some really cool conversations um, off the back of that podcast episode. And so thinking of your table, I want you to think of your table and who do you want to sit at the table with? I invite you to find women that are doing what you want to do, that have achieved what you want to achieve, that inspire you. And go and sit at their damn table. Mel and I were actually talking on the podcast how, you know, we can be very clear on what we want. But there is a gap that is created between what we want and what we need right now. And we can think of it as, you know, I talk about the expectation reality gap uh, it could be the want need gap. <laughs> but, you know, I used to believe that a lot of women didn't know what they wanted. And that's why they were seduced by the short way home. But I don't believe that anymore. You know, after doing this work for so long and having thousands of conversations, I believe that. A lot of us know what we want. And I did record a podcast episode on how to know what you want and get what you want. It is episode, ooh, what episode is it? Hold on. Let me check. Episode 140. If you haven't listened to it, I really offer that to you. I invite you to go and listen to it. Uh, so I used to believe that we didn't know what we wanted. So we were seduced a lot. But now I believe that a lot of women know what they want. They're very clear and they've been working really hard to get it. Years, some women, even decades. And I want to celebrate that. 
you know, I, I really want to celebrate you if you've been in the work of trying to get what you want. But the, the big problem that I see is that there's the gap that gets created. And in that gap, we really need to be looking at what do we need right now? What does our body need? What relationship do we need to work on right now to support our body where it's at, you know, our life where it's at, our mind where it's at. And this is why I want to do a whole event, our whole end of year event on relationships. I want to give my women the tools to build powerful relationships in all areas of their lives. And this is why I absolutely love training. I love the training practice. Because I believe that one of the most important things that we can do to build a powerful relationship with ourselves and our bodies is train. When you have a strong body that you trust, you feel powerful. It changes your posture. It changes how you carry yourself through life. You carry yourself differently. You show up differently in other relationships and in the world with a confidence, a certainty, a sureness. And that's why in Warrior School, we have a really big training focus. Each warrior is on her own individualized training program. She trains three to four days a week at home or in a gym, but she doesn't just train. She learns how to approach her training. I'm very obsessed with teaching women how to train. She learns how to confidently progress and modify her training. She learns how to lift weights like a friggin' warrior. She learns how to build a strong body properly that will carry her through her life on her own terms. And because she's created a strong practice, a strong training practice, she's consistent. And what I have seen is that over time, she starts to believe that she is capable of achieving the thing that she wants in her life. And it starts to penetrate into all of these other areas of her life. When we build a strong body that is capable, that we trust, we start walking into a room with a little more confidence. We start asking for what we need. We set big goals because we believe that we can achieve them. We start to identify as the woman that can do the hard thing, that can get what she wants. And we do this so we can live big lives. 
So if you want to join us in that and you want to be a part of this epic end of year event in December, you got to come and check out Warrior School. It's my online coaching program for women. I teach women how to redefine how they live and train so they can get what they want in their life. Enrollment is closing on September 30th for 2022. So she'll be closed for the last few months of the year while she goes through a reinvention, which is going to be epic. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want to be a part of that, come and check it out. We are also doing a October challenge inside of Warrior School. So I'm just putting the final pieces together on that. It is called Strengthen Your Confidence, a 26-day strength challenge. So this was inspired by the challenge that we're actually doing inside of Creator Club, my business coaching membership. Right now, we're doing a 21-day marketing challenge and it is around building your voice. And just like we don't find our voice, we have to build it. We don't find our confidence or find our strength. We have to build it. We have to build them. And one way that we can build them one of my favorite ways is through progressing our training through PBs. We can build our confidence and strength one PB at a time. <laughs> so this month inside of Warrior School, we did a live teaching call on how to confidently modify and progress your training. We're going to take it a step further. And we're going to action that. And so in this strengthen your confidence challenge, I'm challenging my warrior women to progress their training, to hit PBs or PRs, which just means personal records or personal bests in all of their key lifts, in their key movements, in their programs. It's going to be epic. You're going to see a lot of training videos through October. These women inspire the shit out of me. We call it, inside of Warrior School, we call it make it harder. <laughs> and that came from a few of my warriors that were paying out my Australian accent. And I should have called it a make it harder 26 day strength challenge. Actually might change it. That would be super cool. So we're running that the entire month of October. It's going to be epic. You're going to see all of these women doing super cool shit. Okay, should we start? Let's start our Q&A episode. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. 
So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bowe, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Had some really cool questions come through. There were a lot of questions. So I, I'm thinking that we might do a part one and part two. We'll see how we go for time, uh, for, you know, my voice even. Don't worry, I've got three liquids lined up here on my desk. So maybe grab a snack or keep walking or grab some liquids and let's do it. Okay, the first question, where do you buy your equipment? Can you talk through your setup at home? I love this question. I love it. Uh, So I have been training from home for the last five years. I have a setup in my apartment, in my 750 square foot apartment here in Vancouver. Before that, I trained a lot at gyms because I was competing in Olympic weightlifting. But to do my mobility work or accessory work, I would actually train at home a lot. You know, I've laid on kitchen benches, I've climbed up walls, I've used every bit of furniture to do every movement imaginable. Uh, I think training at home can be really cool. And about 80% of my warriors inside of warrior school, they train from home, especially at the start, because when they come into warrior school, we focus on rebuilding their foundation. So one of the key uh, pieces of warrior school is to build a strong foundation, to build a consistent training practice that works with our body. And so a lot of my warriors, when they come in, we slow everything way down. We come back to mobility, stability, flexibility, and body weight strength training. And we don't need a lot of equipment for that. A lot of women that I do work with actually have equipment and maybe you have some equipment laying around home as well. What the real problem is, is that we actually don't have a program to follow. And so we can, you know, we can have all the equipment uh, laying around, but we're not actually using it. And often I find is that we just don't have a program that meets our body where it's at and helps us create a consistent training practice. But a lot of women have some equipment, you know, they'll have some dumbbells and bands and some even actually have, you know, a bar and weight plates. So at the start of their journey, I ask them to get one piece of equipment. 
and that is a bar that goes in between the door frame so they can start a hanging practice. Hanging is really big inside of warrior school. A lot of women want to be able to do a pull-up. Hanging is at the foundation of every pulling movement. We need to be able to hang on a bar. It develops wrist strength and grip strength, forearm strength. It really helps with opening our shoulders up and developing our overhead range. And on the bar, we start to learn how to move our shoulder blades and our shoulders, which is the initiation of a pull-up. So that is the one piece of equipment that I ask all of my warriors to get. Then depending on where they're at in their healing journey, their training journey, uh, and what's going on with their body, a lot of them will just start using their own body. As they progress in the practice, we start looking at adding weight, adding load. And some of my warriors will buy some pieces of equipment Others, they get to this stage in their journey and they graduate. (laughs) So they graduate out of this, you know, more of a a slower practice where we're really focusing on mobility, flexibility, stability, body weight, strength. And they start to move into uh, a strength training practice. Not saying that body weight strength is not a strength training practice. It totally is. Body weight strength training is very hard. Slowing things down is very hard. Demanding quality and stability and effort is very hard. And actually I was on a call the other day with one of my warriors and she has just started to go back to, she's graduated. She has been in warrior school for 12 months. And what you'll often hear me say is that it takes about nine to 12 months to build a strong foundation to work on your mobility, your flexibility, to work on key movement patterns, uh, to learn how to control your own body and own your own body. I'm notoriously known for taking the long way home. And there's a couple of different reasons why I do that. So a lot of coaches or trainers, especially within the metabolic space, will say to go and do basic machine work and build some stability and build some strength. And it's really good for hypertrophy and muscle building. And uh, it's really good to support uh, our metabolic health. Totally agree with all of that. But I was taught to take the long way home. I was taught to own my body, to own the movement. And this is the way that I coach inside of Warrior School. So the first six to nine months are really hard. They're hard because we don't take the short way to go to the machines. We actually take the long way and I'm teaching all of my women how to use control and own their own body and the movement patterns with their own body weight. And it's really freaking hard. So I was talking to Leah the other day. She's done, you know, she's worked so hard for the last 12 months. She's practiced from home. Leah had a 
set up at home. We bought her a few things. She actually got a barbell for Mother's Day and she was so excited. It was just the coolest uh, message to receive about you know how excited she was that she got a barbell for Mother's Day. Wouldn't it be cool if all the women in the world got barbells for Mother's Day instead of flowers? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love flowers. I'm actually gonna go and do a dried flower course um, at this very, very cool wild flower shop here in Vancouver in a couple of weekends time. Love flowers, but wouldn't it be epic if all of the women got barbells for Mother's Day? Anyway, so Leah and I were talking and I was like, girl, you've graduated. We're um, moving her into a different training phase inside of Warrior School. We're really going to push uh, strength training, increasing her confidence around uh, lifting heavier weight. You know, we're really spending a lot of time uh, building strength, building muscle. But she worked her damn ass off for a year to build a consistent training practice three times a week, which she's never had in her entire life. She's built amazing movement patterns. We did a lot of work on flexibility and mobility. She had chronic hip and back pain. She moves beautifully, like she owns those movement patterns. And I was like, okay, let's go. Let's graduate you and go into a different phase. Let's go into a gym totally different environment let's play around with some machines let's get some weights on you and let's go said to her this is just where it gets fun like this is the fun part we're just getting started okay bringing it back to the question around the equipment and the setup so if there is one thing that i will offer you to buy to start with that is buy a bar that goes between your door frame or that you can attach to a wall somewhere in your home that you can start to hang off now i have a rig in my apartment it's a used rig purchased pre rhythm of the world changing you know when home workouts became very hip and cool in, I guess, 2019 and 2020. I purchased this in 2018 for 300 bucks online used. So that is my rig that you see in my videos that has a bar attached to it. That's where I do all my hanging and all my pulling and where I hang my rings or my rope and I also squat from it. Then I have Rogue Gymnastics rings, which are about 90 bucks each. And we have a set that's hanging on the rig and then we keep a set in the car. Normally during summer, we do a lot of training in parks. We did not this year because we were very busy uh, and we had a very short summer here in the North. Rings are amazing. A lot of women that I work with actually already have a TRX. So very similar. I like the gymnastics rings more. They're more versatile. Uh, I was trained on them. And so I really like working with gymnastics rings. 
So some of my women do get gymnastics rings if they have something to attach them to. So you need something that is up high that you can actually attach them to. You can get a door attachment that you can buy for them just like a TRX. Then we have a couple of homemade pieces. So Carson, my lover, has made homemade boxes. And so those wooden boxes that you see in my videos are homemade and he's made a homemade slant board, which is the black board that's on a slant that sometimes I squat on. And the reason why we would elevate the heels and use a slant board is that it keeps the torso a lot more upright and targets the quads and the VMO, which is the muscle on the inside of our knees. Uh, so we can also use it. It's super cool to have one to use it for different variations of calf raises, uh, which is also very fun to play with. So those two together, I think we're about 50 bucks and just Carson's time to make them. Then I have a hip extension machine or a Roman chair, they call it, which is like a 45 degree uh, Roman chair machine. And that is uh, to do a lot of hip extension work. I think that was secondhand, about a hundred bucks. Uh, a lot of my women use... Uh, well, we create it. Not a lot of women actually have one at home. And so we can do a very similar movement with a barbell in the rack and work on hip extension. Then I have dumbbells. So my dumbbells go from 10 pounds up to 60 pounds. And that was about $300 for all of them. Uh, and then we have a barbell. So a 45 pound barbell and plates. And the plates go from 2.5 pounds all the way up to 45 pounds. And that was like between five or $600. Uh, that was a present for Carson one year. I bought him a barbell and plates. Uh, then we have a bench, which was I think $200. We have bands. I can't remember how much they came to, but we have five of them, uh, different thicknesses or tension. We have a rope, a gymnastics rope, which I think was about $50 as well. So all up, I added it up and it was about $1,700. Now we didn't buy all of those things at once, but you can create a really cool setup at home for about $1,500, which is, I think, epic. It's so cool. If you have the space, well, I believe everyone has the space. You know, unless maybe you live in a studio apartment, although we could get cr pretty creative with that. I think everyone has the space to create a setup that they can practice out of. It's just whether or not you want to do that. So that is my uh, that is my setup at home. I bought most of the equipment secondhand. My favorite gym equipment brand would probably be Rogue. Rogue makes sexy, sexy equipment. One of my warriors actually created an epic space in her house, Julie. It turns me on. Every time we're on our one-on-one -on -one momentum call and we're in there and we're doing some training together, I just, I love it. It is aesthetically so sexy. She has a pink barbell. 
She has this beautiful navy blue rogue rig and just, oh, she has plants and the floor. I get really turned on by training spaces. I think our training environment is extremely important. And for a lot of women that coming into warrior school are coming from a healing background where they you know, their body's been stressed for a long time. They've spent a lot of time and energy healing, creating stability and safety, and now they want to start training again. And so I actually recommend that a lot of them start their practice from home. So then we can create this really cool training environment that's supportive for their nervous system. If we just whack you in a commercial gym with... Um, the artificial bright lighting and the loud music and it's a lot. It can be really a lot for the nervous system. And so this is another reason why the warriors don't graduate into a gym space unless they absolutely have to train in a gym because they just, one, they don't want to train from home or two, they just don't have the space or the equipment. You know, a small uh, portion of my warriors go to the gym. Those warriors are also a little bit more stable from a nervous system perspective and their tolerance and resilience to stress is a little higher. So I'm super happy to whack them straight in a gym. But if your tolerance and resilience to stress is a little lower, actually um, playing with this idea of creating a training space at home uh, to support you and to support the body and the physiology as you get back into the practice is a really cool idea to play around with. Okay, that's question number one. Question number two, what is the recommended amount of protein per meal? What does it look like? I really like this question. So let's break it down. Okay, so the first thing that we want to know is how much protein do we need per day? We want to get about 1.5 grams per kilo of body mass per day, at least. So for myself, if I go 1.5 times my body weight, which is a little bit of an estimate because I'm not exactly sure of my body weight, that for me is too low. That only comes in at 105. So I try to eat two grams of protein per kilo of body mass per day. So if we go two times my body weight, for me, that's 140 grams of protein per day. So the first step is you need to be clear on how much you need to eat per day. Minimum is 1.5 grams per kilo of body mass per day. If you are quite active and have a strength training practice where you train three, four days a week, I would recommend two grams per kilo of body mass per day. If you're going into a higher intensity or volume of training, or if you're trying to build muscle mass, we would probably push it a little bit higher than two grams, maybe 2.4, 2.5 grams of protein 
per kilo of body mass per day. There's a lot of words in that. So for this example, I'm going to use myself and I'm going to use my requirement of 140 grams of protein per day. So step one is I know how much protein I need to eat. 140 grams. Now, the second step is that we want to spread that protein evenly between meals. We want to spread that baby over the day. So I thought it would be cool. I'm just going to run you through my meals and just run you through how I spread protein over the day. And then the second part of this question, I wanted to give you three examples of how I would spread my protein depending on the time of day that I train. All right, so I know that I need 140 grams. I know that I have to spread it evenly over the day between meals. So meal one, when I first wake up in the morning is normally some high protein Greek yogurt with some fruit, some honey, and I'll have a coffee with collagen in it. And that's about 20 grams of protein. And then I'll have my breakfast, which will be eggs, sometimes a little bit of uh, leftover slow-cooked meat, some fruit, and sometimes another coffee with collagen. And so that might have 30, 35 grams of protein. And then I'll have my third meal, which will have about another 30 grams of protein. And that is, you know, maybe a slow cooked meat, like a beef cheek, some potatoes and some squash. Then I'll have my fourth meal. Again, it will have some quality protein, some uh, root veggies, maybe a little bit of salad and fruit. And that will have 35 grams of protein as well. And then I might have a fifth meal and that might have 12, 15 20 grams of protein. So I've spread the protein evenly over the day. Now for our snacks, I don't really like to call them breakfast, snack, lunch, snack. I just like to say meal one, meal two, meal three, meal four, meal five. Because a lot of the times I eat quite dense meals and I don't snack a lot. Uh, So that's an example for me. You know, my first meal, there will be about 20 grams. And then my breakfast, I say that in air quotes, or my next meal will have a bigger hit of protein. You know, I'm looking for at least like 30 grams, 35 grams in those bigger meals. And then if I do have a a lighter meal, I want to hit, you know, at least... 12, 15, 20 grams of protein in that lighter meal. So I'll give you three examples depending on the time that you train. All right, so there is some research and science now and Dr. Stacey Sims and I spoke about this on our podcast together that it's recommended that women try and get 40 grams of protein post-strength session. So in these examples, we're going to try and work 
that into it. Okay, 40 grams of protein is quite a lot. And a lot of women, when I start working with them, they have a hard time eating 40 grams of protein. And to be honest, sometimes I have a really hard time eating 40 grams of protein in one meal. But there is some science out there that says, especially as we get into our 40s and 50s, so into perimenopause and menopause, trying to get 40 grams post-strength session is really supportive for recovery and to help us maintain or build muscle mass. Okay, so example one, if I train early in the morning, so pretty much if it's the first thing that I do. Now, I train early in the morning, so I'll get up, I'll have a snack first thing with coffee. So that snack will have around 20 grams of protein. I walk Hank and then I come back and I eat breakfast before I train. So I'll have breakfast. I'll try and get that breakfast to have, you know, 30 grams of protein, 35 grams of protein in it. Then I will go and train. Post-training, I normally actually have a smoothie, which has about 30 grams of protein in it. Then I'll have lunch, which will have 30 or 35 grams of protein. Then I'll have a snack in the afternoon that will have about 20 grams of protein. Then I'll have dinner, which will have about 30 grams of protein. If you are an early morning trainer, as in that is the first thing that you do, I recommend that you try and get a snack in that has at least 15 or 20 grams of protein and some carbohydrates as well. What we can also look at is the night before. So we can actually make sure that you have a good whack of protein the night before. So 40 grams of protein the night before and then get up. If you can, I recommend a snack. If not, well then we're gonna rely really heavily on that post-training breakfast. Uh, and we're gonna try and get that in within 30 minutes of finishing your session. But, you know, just eat the snack. Create the strategy that allows you to eat the snack in the morning that has at least 15 to 20 grams of uh, protein and like 30 to 40 grams or maybe 40 to 50 grams of carbohydrates. Then train and then your post-training breakfast, try and get it to have at least 30 grams of protein. If you could get 40, that would be epic, especially if you're in your 40s or 50s. And then what you could, uh, the rest of the day could look like, then you could have a snack and then lunch and then dinner. And the snack might have 20 grams and lunch and dinner might have about 30 grams. And that in total is 140 grams for the day. The second example, if I train mid-morning or just before lunch, I would eat either my snack first thing before I walked Hank and then I would have my breakfast or for some of you it could look like having breakfast which has a good hit of protein it could have like 25 grams of protein then your snack might have 20 grams and then you'll go and train 
after that mid-morning snack just before lunch. Then your post-training lunch will have that 30, 35, if you can, work towards that 40 grams of protein in lunch. Then your afternoon snack could be a little lighter. Maybe it's only like 15 grams of protein. Dinner, we want to try and get that 30 grams. And then potentially we have an evening snack, which might give us another 10, 15 grams of protein. And that all up is 140 grams of protein spread over the day. The third example is if we train in the afternoon. So some of my warriors, they train early afternoon. And so we set them up to uh, have their post-training dinner with the high amount of protein at the dinner time. So an example could be the breakfast. We have like 30 grams. Then we have a snack that's like 15 or 20 grams. Then we have lunch, which is about 20 or 25 grams. Then we have our snack, again, 15 to 20 grams. Then we train. Then post-training dinner, we try and reach that 30, 35, 40 grams of protein. And if we're still hungry or if we need a top up at nighttime, then we have a small snack, which might have, you know, maybe we need a top up to 10 grams to reach our protein uh, intake. So we might have, you know, a non-fat high protein Greek yogurt, which will top them up to reach their protein goals. So the exact amount will depend on your total intake and meals, okay? So some of my women, they snack more often, so they have smaller meals more often. And so then the protein's a little lower in each meal, but they reach their total intake over the day. Some other women that I work with have more denser, bigger meals. So they have a higher protein content in it, and they eat less frequently over the day. So they might eat three or four times, uh, whereas some of my other warriors might eat five or six times. So it's going to totally depend on you, your body, your physiology, what your biofeedback likes, what your blood sugar likes, uh, and your total intake of protein over the day. So to recap, number one, you need to figure out how much protein you actually need. Number two, you want to spread it pretty evenly over the day. If you're eating smaller, lighter meals, the protein content can be a little bit lower. So you might want to try and aim for 15, 20 grams. If you're eating larger, denser meals, you really want to try and hit that 30, 35 grams. If you're a woman in your... 40s and 50s, we want to try and work towards eating 40 grams post-strength training session. Okay, that was the second question. The third question, when did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? What have been the hardest lessons? Oh, I love this question. I'm just going to take a sip of my water here. Okay. I wanted to be a performer. I have performed for as long as I can remember. 
I am the eldest of three girls. So I have two younger sisters. Erin is two years younger than me. Kayla is three years younger than me. So my mum wanted three girls, wanted them to be all born in the middle of the year and all close together. And that is what she orchestrated. So she has three girls, all born in the middle of the year, and we are very close together. My two sisters are actually a year and a day apart, which is pretty cool. So for as long as I can remember, we, I made my sisters play dress ups. We actually have in our house uh, where I grew up, we have this really long hallway and down the hallway, we have all of these pictures. And there are a lot of pictures of the three of us girls dressed up <laughs> uh, in some type of costume. So we had this massive costume box growing up and we would play dress ups and I would make my sisters perform, you know, for my parents. And so that's what I remember. I remember growing up, putting on performances, dancing, singing, playing dress ups, uh, creating these different characters in costume. So then, naturally, <laughs> I went into performing. So I danced for a really long time growing up and I also did drama, both at school and outside of school, where I was part of a drama club and then did some private uh, drama lessons. So I wanted to be a performer. My dream growing up was to be a famous actress, walk on the red carpet and win an Oscar. <laughs> After I finished high school, I applied to performing arts schools. So I did the interviews and the auditions and I was accepted to a performing arts school uh, in Queensland, in Brisbane. This was at the same time my sister was enduring anorexia nervosa. So she was sick for a really long time and it was this experience that really burst my fascination with our relationship to food and our bodies. But I also decided that I would become a dietitian and I would specialize in eating disorders. So I took a hard right and did a Bachelor of Exercise Science and Nutrition as my undergrad and then moved to Melbourne and did a Master's in Dietetics. It was very clinical, extremely unsatisfying uh, and it was also one of the key moments in my life that I knew that I didn't ever want to work a normal job. So during my master's, we had to do a major clinical placement. So we had to go into a hospital for close to three months and practice as a dietitian. And that experience, you know, I remember having to go to this hospital, work eight to five every day and it was one of the hardest things I have ever done. 
(laughs) When I finished my master's, my father said to me, okay, so are you going to go and get a job like a real dietitian? I had been a coach and a trainer uh, for, you know, I finished my undergrad degree in 2009. So I started coaching and training in Melbourne and then I completed my master's. I became a dietitian and my father said to me, go and get a job like a real dietitian in a hospital. And I remember saying to him, dad, I can't. My soul would die if I had to go to that place every day and work. And he didn't really understand. Totally a generational thing for sure. You know, my parents are in their 60s. You know, they've had the same job for a really long time. They've worked hard, you know, in this stable, normal job for a really long time. So I wasn't raised by entrepreneurs. I wasn't raised by small business owners. I was raised by, you know, very classic working class parents that had very normal jobs, you know, 8.30 to 5 their whole life. And so when I decided that I didn't want to be a dietitian in a hospital, I didn't want to work a Monday to Friday, eight to five job. Naturally, because of my training background as a personal trainer, we are contractors. So we set our own hours and work for ourselves. So as a dietitian, I found some really cool mentors that specialized in eating disorders that worked in private practice. So then I went to work in private practice. And again, in private practice, you are a contractor. You work for yourself and you can set your own hours and your own schedule. And I really love that. Uh, One of my core values is freedom. And I don't like to do anything that takes that sense of freedom away. So for myself, working for someone, and I've worked for people, you know, I've had a job since I was 14 years old and I have worked for people. I have been in gyms working as a coach or a trainer since 2009. And so I have worked for people. I have watched people who own businesses uh, for a really long time. And so I was a dietitian and I was a contractor. I was also still a trainer. Uh, And I was setting my own hours and my own schedule. And I loved that sense of freedom that I got to lead my own life. I got to lead my own schedule. So you get very good at the craft. (laughs) You know, you do it for so long. I've been a coach now for like 14 years I was a dietitian for a really long time. You get very good at your craft, but no one teaches you 
how to build and grow a business with confidence. (laughs) No one teaches you the business side of things. And this is where my, my business coaching stuff comes in. So it would have been in 2015, I believe. I remember having a conversation with John, who is my business coach, who is the creator of Creator Club with his wife, Ruby. John owned a gym uh, and I met Ruby through Lululemon. So I used to work for Lululemon and Ruby and I connected and worked together at Lulu. And she was talking about her husband one day that had back pain and they owned a gym in Melbourne. And so I went there and I did uh, some work with John. And then John invited me to come and teach their mobility and Olympic weightlifting. And I remember having a conversation with John in 2015 where he asked me, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to create? And I had been a trainer for so long and, you know, I, I had left private practice and went back into full-time training and coaching on both an individual level and coaching groups in a workshop, which is uh, John's gym. And so that's when I started to, to, to think about this idea or this concept of business or being a business owner, or being an entrepreneur. Then I moved to Canada. It will be six years in December. And when I first moved here, I taught mobility and Olympic weightlifting. And at that time, I was doing a lot of injury, rehab, and mobility work with people, people that were in pain uh, or had chronic injuries or chronic pain. Uh, That was kind of like my niche uh, and a lot of the work that I did. And then I connected in with John in 2017 and we started to play around with this idea of creating a business, creating an online business for women. John and I did some one-on-one work together for about five months, I believe. And it was full on. It was hard work. (laughs) We worked at speed. It was very intense. Uh, But in that five months, we created the idea uh, and started to build out this idea of a woman's online coaching program. And then John created Access Potential Academy, which was his first business coaching program. And I became a part of that. And that was a nine month long program. So it was a full year of um, thinking about the business, you know, looking at how do we build it? You know, how do we create it and build it? And then Warrior School was birthed into the world two years ago. And then John and Ruby, who are husband and wife, they joined forces and started Creator Club, which is a business coaching membership that I'm a part of now. And in Creator Club, they teach small business owners, coaches and creatives how to build and grow 
a business with confidence. So over the last, I think it's been 18 months, we've been really focusing on looking at growing the business with confidence and looking at the vision for the business, you know, in five years, in 10 years, which is, which is so super cool. And I am in the process of uh, looking at a reinvention for her, which is very challenging and overwhelming and frustrating and brings up all of the big emotions that we talk about uh, right now, which is a very epic thing. Um, but the second part of the question was, what have you, you know, what have been the hardest lessons for you? And I was thinking a lot about this question when I was walking the other day. And there are so many, so many uh, hard lessons, you know, so many times where I've just wanted to give up, you know, not every day, all day, but there have been many times that I have just wanted to give up. And what came up for me was actually thinking about the keys to my success And I want to do a whole podcast episode on this. And so I love the second part of this question about what have been the hardest lessons. But I really want to, uh, I guess, attack it or offer it to you in a bit of a flipped way. For those of you who know me and my warriors, you know I like to reframe things a lot and flip things. So I wanted to take the question and I wanted to flip it and I wanted to offer you the keys to my success, you know, how I have built the things that I have built in my life, how I've built the body that I have, how I've built my business, how I've built the relationships that I have. Uh, And in that, we can talk about the hardest lessons for sure. So I'm going to save the second part of that question for an comp- entirely uh, separate podcast episode. Okay, the next question is, what is your favorite movement to coach and watch your warriors progress in? Oh, I love this question. And I thought a lot about it. I have two favorite movements that I absolutely love to coach and watch my warriors progress in and they are the pull-up and the squat oh it just lights me up and turns me on when I am obsessed actually I am obsessed with teaching women how to do a pull-up and how to squat like turns me on it's I believe those two movements are two of the most beautiful movements to perform and learning to but I'm going to choose the squat okay so to answer your question this question for the purpose of this podcast episode my favorite movement to coach uh, is the squat Because I think learning to squat well is a really valuable thing. And let's be honest, 
when we have a heavy bar on our back, we feel like a friggin' warrior. When we own that barbell and we move it with strength and grace, we feel like a friggin' warrior. And it takes actually a lot of strength and confidence to put a heavy weight on your back and move it with that power and that grace. And so many women will tell me that they actually want to squat, but squatting, it, it doesn't feel good. Uh, they, you know, they feel that they feel restricted. They feel tight. They feel their ankle, their knee, their, their hip. Uh, and so when they try and do it, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Or they actually can't see any progress in it. They're not making any progress or they don't know how to progress it confidently. So they avoid it. A lot of women that I talk to and that I, when I start working with them, they've actually avoided squats. Um, and the reason why I think that is, is because there's a bit of an art to developing a powerful and graceful, strong squat. There is definitely a process and a method uh, and I'm just going to share with you a few key ways that uh, we, t- that I guess the approach that we take in warrior school. So, you know, if you've seen my Instagram and you've seen my videos of my warrior squatting, it looks damn sexy. It, they have worked so hard to improve their squats. Some of them had never squatted with a barbell before. Told you, it's badass. It's so cool. So here are a few ways that we uh, build and approach squats in warrior school. The first step really is we need to frequently work on the pattern. We need to practice the actual movement pattern. For a lot of us, you know, if we're not good at something or something doesn't feel right or we don't have the confidence in you know, that we're doing it correctly or how to progress it, we avoid it. We love us some avoidance of hard things. <laughs> so a lot of women have avoided the pattern for a long time. So the first step is just to get them to frequently practice the movement pattern. So we look at breaking down the movement pattern. I explain the pattern, you know, the technicality behind it. Uh, what I'm looking for, why I'm looking for it. You know, I teach them how to articulate and control their pelvis, their legs, their spine. So basically we pull the movement uh, pattern apart and I teach them the pattern. We also work on, you know, their mobility. So for a lot of us, it can be our hip mobility or our ankle mobility or we don't have the stability or strength in the knee. So we, we just, we look at the thing that is letting the movement pattern down. So why do we have trouble with the pattern? You know, are, can we not go to depth because of our ankle mobility or our ability to flex our knee? Um, do we have hip pain or discomfort in the squat? Now, a lot of this mobility stability stuff actually uh, 
it is improved or goes away just by practicing the movement pattern. So by practicing the squat pattern, we're actually working on our ankles. We're working on, you know, knee flexion. We're actually working on the hip um, mobility. But we also do separate work. So very targeted work, depending on what's going on in their body that might be restricting them in the movement pattern or potentially causing them some discomfort. Then we work on their breathing and their bracing. And so I teach them how to actually create tension in their torso, uh, you know, how to breathe and how to brace properly. And we work on different progressions that allow them to build the pattern and volume over time. So we look at single leg strength. We look at squatting to targets, uh, different variations of squats. We look at a lot of paused and tempo work. So a lot of my warriors do a lot of tempo and pause work because a big part of it is having the control over the body, owning the movement pattern. And one of the ways that we can do that is through pause and tempo work. Uh, So many women, they just want to go fast. (laughs) They just want to do everything super fast. Uh, Actually, I was on a call the other day with a new warrior and we're going through her movement assessment. So we do a launch call and then we do a movement assessment so I can see how she moves, where we need to start with her program. And she was going through everything very fast. And I thought, oh, we are going to have so much fun together because we slow everything way down. The reason why we do that is because I hold quality of movement so high. I want you to be the woman that moves so well, that has amazing control over her body, that owns her body and owns the movement pattern. So tempo and pause work, it also helps address a lot of deficits in the hip and back. And it really helps us refine the squat pattern. And as we develop these qualities, um, we really earn and own the position and the weights increase from that. So also their bodies are so much healthier. Often it's squatting, actually doing the squatting that will build the range and the strength and that will help actually reduce the pain or the discomfort that we feel. So that's... That's what I love to coach. And when I hop on inside of Warrior School into their um, coaching program and they send me videos, I just get so turned on by the squat videos. Taking a woman who couldn't squat at all and had chronic hip pain and chronic back pain to then loading herself under a heavy barbell and squatting to depth, uh, there's three key things that we look at inside of warrior school that is can you technically execute the movement so do you uh, can you actually do the squat from a technical perspective does the body understand how to articulate itself then the second thing is do you have the range of motion so do you have access to the full range of motion Uh, and then the third thing is can you control your body within that movement pattern and in that range. And when 
women send me a video and they have all of those things and they have a heavy barbell on their back, it's the coolest thing to see. Okay, next question. All right, there's quite a few here and we've been going for a while. Should we do one more? Let's do one more. Okay, we'll do one more. Is it ever too old to start training? So the question was asked with the context of aging parents. So the woman that asked has parents who are aging and are becoming fragile. And she wanted to know, is it ever too old for them to start training? So my short answer is hell no. Hell no. It is never too late to start a practice, especially a strength training practice. We really want to be anti-fragile and the sooner that we can be anti-fragile, the better we can age, the less likely that we will fall, that we will have hip fractures, that we will lose our muscle mass and we'll get osteoporosis. So my short answer is hell no, it's never, you're never too old, it's never too late. I actually just recorded a really cool podcast with Frances Brown. Frances is a physiotherapist in Brisbane, in Australia. And I love her philosophy. I love her approach. She takes a very movement-based approach. But a really cool thing that she does in her work is run women's bone density classes. So she has women that come in that are in, you know, their 60s and 70s. And these women lift weights and they jump. And she was sharing a uh, case study or a story in the podcast episode towards the end uh, about a woman who has been doing it for, I think it was 18 months and got a DEXA scan and actually had improved her bone density, which blew my mind. It should blow your mind that she was in her, I think, mid to late 60s and had improved her bone density. That's, it's so unheard of because women don't strength train and they don't jump or they stop strength training and they stop jumping as they age. And that ain't good because fractures in postmenopausal women are a real problem. There was some research in Australia that showed that one in two women over 60 will sustain a hip fracture in their lifetime. Isn't that crazy? One in two. And the major risk factors for that was poor bone health. So poor bone density or osteoporosis and an increased risk of falls. And now I'm going to say that the increased risk of falls is due to not being strong, not having muscle mass on their bodies, not doing strength training 
they're not stable. So to reduce the impact of fractures, we we got to look at interventions that are going to improve bone health as well as reduce falls. And one thing that does that is strength training. So the bone density, our bone density increases until our mid 30s. And it's thought that having a higher um, peak bone mass, so building your bones as much as possible until that time, can delay the onset of osteoporosis by, I think it was 13 years. And this was a study done uh, in 2017. Uh, Santos and the team of researchers uh, did some study on bone density and how if we have 10% higher peak bone mass, so we reach peak bone mass, I think it is around our mid-30s. If we built our bones as much as possible, what they found was that it could delay the onset of osteoporosis by 13 years. Blew my mind. (laughs) Uh, And then some other research in Australia and I think this was from 2012, I believe, estimated that 66% of all Australians over 50 had poor bone health, with women impacted more significantly than men. And fractures can occur prior to an osteoporosis diagnosis. And sometimes that is the first indicator that we have the condition is we develop a fracture and so we don't want to get to that point where the fracture is one of the first indicators that we actually have osteoporosis so we really want to put in interventions designed to reduce fracture risk Uh, so there's actually a bone density timeline for women and this comes from the work of uh, Santos In 2017, they were looking at exercise and bone health across the lifespan. So 90% bone mass is accumulated by 20 and then peak bone mass is reached by 30. Bone loss begins in our mid-30s and we can lose 10% bone mass the first five years post-menopause. 10%. When I read that, that blew my mind. And it's estimated that 60%, uh, 66% of Australians over 50 have poor bone health, which is super crazy. So there are some bone health guidelines, which I wanted to talk through, uh, which are really cool, actually. And Frances uses these in her bone density classes. There is some research Uh, that they've done over the last 10 or so years investigating the impact of exercise on bone health and falls risk. Uh, It's not like blow your mind, you know, kind of data or statistics, but they actually have found some improvements in bone mineral density, especially when it comes to the lumbar spine and the hip compared to groups that weren't doing high impact resistance training. 
So there was a study done in 2018 and they were looking at the participants did high intensity and high impact resistance training twice a week uh, and they already had osteoporosis. And so they wanted to know the impact of training twice a week, doing high intensity, high impact resistance training for eight months, which is a long time for a study. So that's pretty cool. And I think this one was done at the bone clinic that Francis was talking about on our podcast. So what they found was the high intensity group experienced improvements in bone density in the lumbar spine compared to the control. And the control only used three kilo weights at home. And so the the increases were 0.3 to 2.9%. So not massive, but an improvement. And you know what? I think we should take it if we are on a downhill uh, you know, spiral and we're losing 10% of our bones you know, in the first five years after menopause. We want to take every little bit that we can get. So they did find that there was some improvement of the thickness of the femur bone, like the cortex, um, which is pretty cool. And then another study in 2020 they performed an 18-month trial or program, which again, that's a really long time. And they included strength training as well as balance exercises. And there was some other stuff, I believe, in that study. And their results uh, showed that there was an improvement in bone mineral density at the lumbar spine and at the hip, so our femur. Uh, But there was no reduction in falls throughout that period by the participants that were in the study. But they did also note down that there were other benefits of exercise in terms of muscle strength and overall function. So that was noted in the study. And that's really important to remember because, you know, training, strength training, not only can it improve our bone health, but it also helps prevent muscle mass loss or it can even improve muscle mass. It helps with our balance, our stability, our power, our cardiovascular fitness, our body composition, you know, our confidence and our mental well-being. And as we get older and, you know, I feel like having a practice helps us still trust our body. You know, as we age, our body changes. It feels different. It may no no longer be capable of doing things. So the longer we can keep a really um, good strength training practice, we're going to help with the trust in our body and ourselves. So the bone health exercise guidelines, they look at three things, impact loading, resistance training, and balance training. So for the high impact loading, we want high impact four to seven days a week, three to five sets of 10 to 20 reps. And we wanna progress from body weight jumping to hopping, jumping from height, multi-directional hopping, and weighted jumps. So plyometrics, essentially. Then we want resistance training. So we want high to very high intensity at least two days a week. So 80 to 85% of one RM, two to three sets. And we could include high velocity exercises for power. So it could be squats, deadlifts, chin-ups, overhead press, bench press, or all our barbell work. And then we want balance training. So moving from larger to smaller bases, you know, balancing with our eyes open, our eyes closed, um, maybe doing things like rail walking, like balancing on a beam, uh, 
for balance and stability for that fine motor control. So there are some precautions, high risk individuals. So those are really frail that have a very low um, muscle mass, have osteoporosis, uh, should start more gradually. And we're looking at things like regressions and slow progressions and assistance and holding on to things. We also want to avoid some deep, deep spine flexion uh, and loaded rotation, or we want to progress it and add it in gradually. Um, So a graded exposure monitoring the body over time. And it's really important that we get coached through that. You know, we have correct technique and we're supervised, especially as we are in, you know, that age group of being at a little higher risk of potentially falling or causing injury. And then there's a lot of research out there around strength training and muscle mass. So as we get older, we can develop uh, sarcopenia, which means, you know, a loss of muscle mass. And we don't want that. We want to try and keep as much muscle mass on us as possible. So we can age well, we can age um, and be capable and confident and strong. My One of my goals in life is to put on as much muscle as I possibly can. I just want to be this big, strong girl. So I'm not this old, frail woman that can't do anything. I want to still be able to walk up my stairs with like 40 kilos loaded on my shoulders, uh, carrying my groceries. And there's loads of other research that we could get into, but coming back to my short answer, it is never too late to start a training practice. Especially if you're a woman, postmenopausal, it's really important for your bone health and to prevent any further loss of muscle mass. And what could be super cool is if we could actually get an increase in bone mineral density and an increase in muscle mass. Uh, And so start, you know, or if you have parents that are aging, get them to start training. They could even train with you, which would be, I don't know, could be epic, could be frustrating. I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. There are many more questions, but we're going to save it for a part two. So in part two, we are going to look at when someone reaches their health goals, what are the different paths after that? Ooh, I like that question. That's a good question. Then the second question we'll look at is, can you still have a healthy metabolism, eat pro-metabolic and do a sport like CrossFit? Also a very cool question. I've got some really cool research on that. The third one will be, how does zone two fall into training? Then how important is sex? Oh, I like that one. I really like that one. I've also got some really cool stuff on eroticism and sex and intimacy. Uh, What shoes do I wear? Which... I'm really excited about um, 
that question to talk to you about my footwear. I'm also getting a guy on who is a Vivo Barefoot educator to talk all about foot health and footwear, which is very, very, very cool. And then the last question we're going to talk about was, can you talk about Warrior School? Which, yeah, yeah, I could talk about Warrior School. I love talking about Warrior School. So those will be our questions for part two. Okay, Warrior Woman, thank you for whacking me in your ears and I'll see you for part two of our Q&A special. Bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.